I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. And this week, we um, don't really have one specific mom of the week, but rather want to give our thoughts and prayers to our mothers in California dealing with the wildfires and those in Dallas dealing with the tornadoes. damages or recuperating from the damages. So um, please help out where you can, send blood, take a look at different websites, and um, help a fellow mom out, if you will. Definitely. Check in with us moms. All right. right, Cool. And now, on to the show. All right. So finding the right educational pathway for your child can be daunting, almost as daunting as buying a house, don't you think? Girl, it's exhausting. Exhausting is all get out. Private school versus public versus charter. Versus homeschool. Versus homeschool, mm-hmm. Doing Indeed. What do I get, Grace? What is best for our children? And I know that probably depends on personality and what you want as a parent. So whatever your thoughts are on the state of our educational system that it may be, we'll discuss a fraction of it. What you didn't know about private schools with our guest mammologist, Miss Dara Tillman. Did I say it right? Dara Tillman, yeah. Tillman, yes, Dara, Dara. I said it right on first You got the G-H. Yeah, because no one, I swear people cannot pronounce, do not understand silent letters anymore. So no one ever they thinks. They go like, what do they say? Tillman, Tillman. They want to yeah, sound out all those. And I'm thinking, do you say psychology this way? No. I mean, like, there are silent letters. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just so proud of myself right now. Just that little bit. But anyway, welcome. Thank you, welcome, thank you, welcome. thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, it, um, she's also been a previous episode sponsor and has graciously had us um, come and uh, be, I guess you would say, panel uh Moderators, if you will, um, for her events, but we welcome Dara to our show. She is the founder of the Dallas Fort Worth Private Education, also known as DFWPE, and it was founded to help parents find schools and other resources for their children. So you can actually learn about more about her services um, and ask for help in finding a school. Um, they're on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. We'll have the links, of course, in our um, show notes. Originally from DC. I- I'm originally from just outside of D.C., Maryland, yes. By way of California. Um, But she has dived herself into all things private education here in Dallas. But I feel like a lot of the knowledge that Dara has can be applied to any city. I agree. Um, I if you will. Agree so with that. um so we appreciate you being with us and when she's not spending um doing all things private education um, <laughs> <laughs> and diversity training. Um she spends time with her husband Carl and ensuring that Chloe and Trey are enjoying enjoying their best life to the fullest. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank so, you. I'm we, so honored. Yeah. <laughs> in the booth. So, I know so right on the heels, as uh, Mel mentioned in the in um, your bio pretty um, earlier, that we were um, assisting you in yeah, your DFW, yeah. yes, for the DFW for the yeah. uh, Families of Color Conference. Thank you so much. You guys did such a great job, even with all the technical difficulties. You guys did a great job. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You're fine. Don't worry about that. But let's dive into that because we're. I think a lot of the private school decisions making. Um, we'll probably discuss other factors mm-hmm. that can be, like you said, applied to to whatever school you so desire. Mm-hmm. But 
let's dive into it, as I was saying. So, I mean, talk to us about your influence and wanting to specifically talk about private school education. Um, So my story starts with me not having any interest in private education, being very much against the whole idea of it. And it, it speaks to the, you know, the purpose of this episode, what didn't I know? And a lot of my reasoning was the things I didn't know. So mm. it was, that was the reason why I didn't want to entertain it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was my husband who kind of, you know, pushed me down that road and said, I think we, you know, we should explore this and we shouldn't be so one track minded. And um, it was hard. And I, I toured several schools. And then when we came across our school, it ended up being like, oh, I actually really like it. <laughs> I actually liked it and I was actually um shocked that I liked it and I I was able to open my mind up just a little bit and 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 invite something new in. And I feel like a lot of times those not wanting to explore things when we get this way, it's out of the fear of the unknown. Right. And that was where I was with it. It was the fear of the unknown. It was a fear of feeling like I'd lose myself in it because I don't come from my perception of private school was elite, um, extreme wealth, um, white, and that is not my background. That is not my background at all. And uh, while the Washington, D.C. area where I come from, we don't I'm not saying we've never had racial issues, but it's not as prominent there as it is in some other places. We have more class issues. And so that is remains to be a struggle for me even now. I find myself sometimes uncomfortable in some of those circles. And what I didn't want to do was put my child in those same circles. And um, it was the, I cannot put my child here. This cannot happen. And when I say I didn't want to lose myself, I didn't want to feel like I was becoming something that I'm not. Okay. And I didn't want her to become something that I resent. And that was kind of how I felt about it. So it, it, it was a struggle, but um, I am happy I went down that road. And then going down that road, um, I learned how much I truly just did not know. <laughs> how, long, how long have you been looking at private schools before you, how do you, I don't want to say admit, um, before enrolling? So... I started two years before she was even able to go into pre-K-3. Because once I knew this was kind of something we were going to entertain, I needed to feel very comfortable with the choice. I knew he was comfortable with the choice. But again, we're from two different upbringings, two different mindsets. So did he go to private school? He went for a little bit as a child, but not very long. But he also comes from... The background where a lot of these kids in these private schools are coming from. You do, you okay. see what I'm saying? Yep. He's yes. coming from a place that's a little bit more privileged, that has mm-hmm. a little bit more wealth, and I was not. So there is mm-hmm. the two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So I had to feel comfortable mm-hmm. with it. And so um, I we started two years before she could even get there. And once we kind of decided on the school, I visited the school six different times. So I had like when I say I was committed to like I had to get to the root. Of, they were like, Lady, you had, is, nah. you, "Is you put in an application or <laughs> you like, put in an application?" Pretty much, is you gonna do this? She back again. You she, know what? Just hold on to her visitor badge, okay? I did. <laughs> and then I just, not only did I explore that campus because it's a multi-campus school, I wouldn't explore the other campus. They're like, she on her way. Look, uh, hold on. <laughs> I 
I just had to be sure. I just didn't need her coming home and feeling like she had to conform to what they were or that she didn't fit in because she didn't have or come from a certain something. And that was so important to me. It doesn't matter how far I go from home. I know I know who I am at the very core. And yeah. so that was so important for me in exploring these these different settings. Well, what's nice about this episode, all three of us, of course, have our children in, in private school. So, mm-hmm. um, But my perspective is much different, though. Okay. okay. I, How many times did you go visit the school? Only one. Because you're from New, New York. Yes. And it's, more, it's much common with there. It, yes and no. I, I went to private school growing up. Okay. Okay. You know, I went to a private Catholic school from mm-hmm. first grade to eighth grade. Okay. And, but where you talk about the issues of classism, which I could see over there, I guess I, I, I loved my school. It was a struggling school. It is now closed. Oh. Um, I, I joke about it because it reminds me of, you ever watched the movie Sister Act? Yeah. <laughs> where they were just a whole yeah. bunch of kids in this neighborhood. Yeah. Catholic school, and that's exactly how I felt. I loved it. Still friends to still friends mm-hmm. with a good amount of people, you know, mm-hmm. wow. that I see there. But I think we were all just, I guess, living in New York City, being of different. I, I think we were all, I guess, if you want to characterize it, middle class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we all just kind of, you know, parents just kind of scraped their money together, together to make sure that their mm-hmm. kids went to school, and so I think. I think when I went to tour my school, my son's school, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this kind of brought flashbacks to um, my childhood, which made me be like, okay, this is the one. But um, I think, like, I I did not, I guess, have that experience of the classism issue. Yeah, and so you kind of hit a trigger for me because when you said that, 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 that's kind of a trigger. So you said you had a flashback moment when you went to your son's school. I had my own flashback, but it was different. So it's one thing to be very low income of low socioeconomics and to be with other people who are low socioeconomics. It's another thing, like Dave Chappelle said, to be poor and then move to a predominantly white upper class suburb. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you've never felt poor in your life. Mm -hmm. So when I Mm -hmm. stepped into these schools, it suddenly was a trigger for me and I became extremely aware of it. And it became a a huge, like, concern number one. It was priority number one. And I think maybe that's that's regional, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, or I can't I, I want to take New York City out of that equation because mm-hmm. even back then, you know, it was such a bubbling, diverse, you mm-hmm. know, everybody went every year. Not so much now. It is is very uh, different. Mm-hmm. You can tell classism mm-hmm. yeah. in New York City. But when you step outside, you know, even what if I went to a private school in New Jersey or something mm-hmm. like Connecticut, that? Yeah. Or, oh, Connecticut. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when I think, you know, if I ever met somebody, you know, even growing up who said I went to private school in Connecticut— I'm thinking, oh my God! Like they live, they live in the hills, <laughs> man. Yeah, so like school. Yeah, yes, they went to boarding school. Their, you know, mom, just someone I would Horses. never equestrian life. Someone I would mm-hmm. just never associate with. Mm-hmm. So I do want to cut, and I will put that caveat in there as far as living in New York City is just a different thing. But I can, I can understand what you're, where you're coming from yeah. regarding, because um, even here in Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. would you, would you say? I do. I, I go along with what what you both are saying in terms of an well, issue of classism. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know? absolutely. Well, I didn't grow grow up in. I grew up in public school, mm-hmm. but husband went to private school. Mm-hmm. 
for like elementary side. So the idea of doing private school, we said, okay, we would do it as long as it were affordable, which we'll get into the, well, which I wouldn't know type of thing, but was affordable and had a Christian upbringing. And he, his specific request was a majority of Mm African-American students. And when he said that, I said, excuse me? Right. Where do you but, find but that's where, but that's where he but, went to. But that goes back to me. That's, like where I was that's like, probably what you had went through. It was majority yeah, of African American. Right? So I'm going, yeah. okay, now I gotta go find this unicorn, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. In DFW. So there went the search. So kind of along your lines, like starting the search. We started two years in advance. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. Um and stumbled across the school where he's at now. And I'm like, well, not really stumbled found out about them mm-hmm. at a particular showcase mm-hmm. and was like, oh, look at this unicorn. Mm-hmm. Let me go check out this unicorn. So, yeah, I, but then I was amazed. And I think there's a, a statistic about in our particular region, there's what, more private schools per capita yes. than in any, any other major city mm-hmm. in the United States. Yes. In our area, and I say DFW as a whole, Metroplex. And then you want to explore that. Why is that? Why do we have so many private schools here? So I think one of the the biggest issues that I have found here in Texas is Texas is not really on the forefront of school choice. (laughs) They're just not. (laughs) They're not really on the forefront of school choice um, like some of the other states, like Georgia, and you see other states trying to really get behind that. And so I think trying to push everyone into this bubble of our public schools are so great. They all have to work. It only, like anything else, reinforces the need for something else to come along. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got one group saying, you have to take this. You have to take these public schools and you have to make this work. And then you have this other group saying, I don't think this works. I'll go start my own thing. And a lot of times, private schools are born out of a home school. They are. They start out as a homeschool and then they become something else. And um, and I think with the area being as big as it is and everyone here having as different of beliefs as they do and people are constantly coming and going, I think that has opened up the door to keep creating these schools. And then you're in the Bible Belt. So then you've got the people who want schools that pertain to their religion. Mm -hmm. And then you've got um, your growing LGBTQ community here. So you want school, you you know, you have those families who want to find a school where their child can be safe. Mm -hmm. And so that you have all these things, these factors coming in and people are saying, I don't want just this. I want to find something that works for me. And if I can't find it, I'm going to create it. And I think that's what happens. It's usually someone's idea that said, you know what? There's that school, but there's not a school like this. And then they start and they create it. And one of the schools that I work with, just that's how it was born. It was born that way and it opened up this year. And it was because someone had an idea that there needed to be a particular type of school in a particular part of town. And... They had the money to do it, and they got people together and, and, and started. And that's just it. That's literally how it, it, it... So then one was would ask then, you know, why not reinforce the schools that are already there? Okay, so that's a great question. Outside now, I will, with the caveat, again, we're in Dallas-Fort Worth, and the majority of the public, I'm sorry, majority of the private schools that are here are for our listeners in the northern side of the mm-hmm, town. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
I can see why there may be a need on the southern southern Absolutely. end of it, which we'll we'll get into that probably. Um but why not reinforce? And so when you say reinforce, are you speaking to the public schools? That no, 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 no. Or even one, yes, actually, yeah. Okay. Reinforce the public school. And then, you know, there are some private schools, especially um, on the southern side of the mm-hmm. town. Why not reinforce those? So— And I don't know if you, you know— Yeah, you know I, mean, answer, I, I, I mean, this I mean, is I just, just a, you know, a conversation. conversation. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So I think part of the reason— in my case, and in the case of some, I can't speak for all, people do not rally behind some of their public schools sometimes because people are tired of the red tape. There's a lot of politics that come and policies that come with your um, your public school settings. And I don't think I was aware of how much of that comes with that until I learned how much of it did not come with choosing a private school. An issue comes up, we discuss it, we work out a plan, we move on. Private public school issue comes up, there's paperwork, paperwork, policy, procedure. What does the school, what does the board say? What does the superintendent say? All these people have to come together and make this decision on how this is going to, you know, how this is going to work out. So I think that is part of the reason people do not reinforce things um, in the public school sector. I also think um, people are wanting the flexibility. They want to look at it and how their kids learn and what works best for them. And so they're exploring those options and they're not trying to pigeonhole them anywhere. Mm. And so I think that's that's the thing, that's one of the things. As far as some of the private schools go, um, I think sometimes people, they don't get reinforced because people don't know the school is there. So sometimes it's a matter of, I just didn't know this school was here. So I didn't really... You got lost one day and just... Yeah, yeah you, I just didn't know this school was even here. Mm-hmm. And so like there are schools that have been around over a hundred years or oh, close yes. to it here that I didn't even hear of in my search. So, and there are well-known schools. So some t- it's, it's what happens is you move, you live where you live, mm-hmm. and then you ask for a recommendation and then you get everything around where you live. No mm-hmm. one tells you anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. So you don't go and explore anything outside of that. And so then I think that leaves other schools, okay, well, wait a minute. We we offered everything you were looking for, but you didn't even come to our side of town. And you didn't even come and look. No one told me that you were there. Yeah. So if and that, and that that's twofold because that involves the parents having to really be advocates for their school, but it also means the school has to really put themselves out there. That's where I was going to go. The school so has you to talk really about put these schools out. that are a hundred years old that mm-hmm. have their are nestled in their own little enclave. Mm-hmm. I I think they probably you know if they're there hundreds of years, why? I mean, you should be a staple in your neighborhood. Yeah. Then, yeah. You know what I mean. So yeah. why why do I have to be you know kind of do all this digging you yeah. know to find you unless you want to maintain some of that um, exclusivity. exclusivity yeah you know like you getting your money from the alumni what yeah. have you to still stay alive and I, I mean and obviously well, yeah I was gonna say because they gotta be getting their money from somebody yeah exactly that not to just the, point. the tuition yeah I was alone. gonna say to the point yeah I'm like if you're you're still standing after a hundred years I'm like a lot of Yo people endowment. like like that you are nestled in the woods. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> so it creates it is a, a double edge. And they, yeah, and they want their kids nestled in the woods. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. people like that are usually seeking a smaller school environment. So even like, you know, you know, a a private school that may have eleven hundred kids, K through twelve, some parents will still say, that's still a lot of kids. <laughs> and so they want the smaller school that are only have 
600 kids, 800 kids, and that's where they go. They go to those those small schools, but they've been around a long time. They're well-established. They're well-recommended, and that's what they find. Mm-hmm. That, that You find that. It's just, it's like you said, it's just all in what you're looking for. So now that we've all found our kids' respective schools— and we went through like six different visits. <laughs> Actually, before I even get to my question, what did, what didn't you find in the second? What didn't you find in the first visit that you found in the second visit? In the first visit, I cannot really remember if I saw other people of color, and I think it's because I was really trying to take it all in. It doesn't mean they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. It means that I was just being blind to it because I was trying, like. I, I just was trying to take everything was else. Was that in. a personal visit or were you in like a group visit? It was in a group okay. setting because it was um a, a breakfast um preview. Um and so uh that was the first thing. And then in the second visit, um when I came back, <laughs> um I noticed other people of color, but then I wanted to hear a little bit more of the upper school students. I don't think I focused on what the upper school students were saying in the first visit. Okay. I think I focused a lot on the lower school because my daughter, my daughter was coming into lower school. And so that's kind of what my focus was. But I came back and I said, but what does the full picture look like? So then okay. I have to see the beginning. And now what does that look like in the end? Because your anticipation would be for her to matriculate Matri- all the way yeah, through. Exactly. Fair and enough. just for our listeners to understand, she's at a kindergarten through 12th grade. She's at a K through 12. Yeah, she's at a K through 12 school. And so um, by the third visit, they knew who I was. They're like, girl, look, we got the breakfast ready. We got the the coffee ready for you. And maybe I was there for the free food. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They were holding my son and helping me because he was still a baby and he couldn't walk yet. And um, so they were helping out. And so then it was me paying more attention to the staff and the faculty. Okay, so who's running the show? Who's the person dictating how the money is being spent? Where's the money going? You know, who's sitting on the board and who's not sitting on the board? It was it was became those questions. And so every time I visited, I peeled back a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I did the personal tours. And then that's when I could really ask the questions. What are your long-term plans for the school? What is the school, what are the school's goals? Because everybody's got an objective. So what is your what is your Say motive? That for here? the people in the back. Yeah, of the everyone's room. got an objective. Yeah. So tell me yours, and I'm gonna hear your version of it, but I'm gonna take from it what I truly believe it is. And so what is your objective here? And um by the time we got around to the end of that was which was the per- first first personal visit that tour I did. I remember when I left and right as I was leaving and it was um it was a it was a white woman who gave me my tour but she said I hope you you see that we do have some students of color. She said, we don't have a lot. I know it's not enough. She said, but we're working on it. And she said, and we do have a director of diversity here on campus. And then a light bulb went off and it was like, wait a minute. These private schools are modeling themselves after colleges. They're trying, and after corporations. They have these things here. My local elementary school is not going to have that person there. So when someone says something racially offensive, not if, but when, who's going to be the person that's going to help me navigate that? And that's what I, and that was kind of the, the aha moment, like, 
okay, I think we can really, really can have this conversation She's now. like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and submit the application. I can do it now. <laughs> and don't even get me started, because even in the application process, I emailed them probably about five times a day, so let's oh. not even go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we actually like, might, though. So my, my, my other question is, and this is actually for, for Tosh, too, is now that you're, you're our kids been in, of course, I think at least two years for each of you, yeah. yeah. What is one thing you're like, oh, wow, I wish I had realized. It, yeah. And then not that it would have deterred your right. um, wanting to do the application. Right. But what is one thing you're like, oh, man. So I know the answer to that. I wish I knew how much time I had to invest in it. And that's not and a bad thing. Dive deep for the yeah. 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 So it's, you, you get into this and people think, Okay, I'm paying for this. The school's got this all covered. And, you know, and that's, I'm not saying that was completely my mentality, but I just didn't know how much volunteer effort requires. I feel like education with your child already requires a lot of hands on, right? Yeah. But it goes an extra 20 miles in, in, in these, a lot of these private schools because they rely so much on volunteer. Efforts. During the day, are we referring to During overall? the day, okay. overall. Just parent participation. Just parent participation. When they're trying to set up for the book fair, they need about 15 parents to come and have mm-hmm. set up to help make the decorations, draw them out, cut them, paste them on windows, and then have a luncheon for the teachers to preview all the books that they're bringing, and then organize all the books to show, help the kids shop the books, count their money, and then take down the decorations. It's all of these things, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, even if I'm a stay-at-home parent, how is the working parent able to do this? And they are literally coming in on their lunch breaks. I see them with their their job name badge on, and they're taking their whole hour lunch break to do it. And kudos to those parents because it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, there's the kiss and rides, your car, well, depending upon the school, sometimes carpool the carpool or you yes. know, either the morning carpool or the afternoon carpool, I'll use it yeah. as that. Or if you're in a lower grade, you may help with story time, you may help with yes. lunch, yes. prepping lunch. They've you're asked the us to help leader. volunteer with the, with the cafeteria in the cafeteria. Sure. They, they're looking Recess. for volunteers Decorating the teacher's room. Yes. it's Public all. school, it's the teacher who decorates. Sure. Yeah, no. yeah. Oh, and yeah. takes it down. Mm-hmm. In private school, now granted, the, the teachers do decorate their respective information but when it comes to these holidays like the parents do it yes it's us doing it it's us coordinating the time Mm -hmm. of hey you know like for example hey who's gonna come in tomorrow morning and come and help we need five parents go and Mm -hmm. it's just what you just said it's the coordinating so if we're all in the same school I think it's moms or dads yeah yeah, the homeroom parents so it's it's just like you said if if we're all three of us are in the same class I've got to email Tosh I've got to email Mel and say okay I can bring this I can bring that and then you check to see what you can bring and then you make sure that and then Taj makes sure that the next person gets doing it it is literally like constant communication everyone has to know what's going on and before you know it you've worked two jobs yeah you've worked two three well four if you're married that's a job and then if you got kids that's a job if you're obviously you got Tosh kids you're in school, your head. I know and we then, don't have video and then but. you've been on your nine to five and then you've been <laughs> so to school then you at this school you're the and assistant then you're teacher thinking, and then I'm still writing a check 
for the I'm, kid to be I'm at the school. You. I'm paying you for me to come <laughs> and decorate. All right, I'm paying ladies. to come decorate your <laughs> class. All right, ladies. So with that being said, <laughs> we don't hate on private schools. So right. We don't hate. We we don't don't hate. Leading <laughs> to my <laughs> next question, but why <laughs> do we so, have to do that? You know? Why even make that choice? Why even make that choice? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And so I do think you have to take a step back and you have to take yourself out of the equation and look at the child. And, and and I'm glad that my husband had the insight that I did not have because my daughter was re, like, re, re recently diagnosed with ADHD. And one of the things that came out of this full body report, which another private school did, a learning differences school did for me, um, was that she's in the right school environment. She needs to stay in small, small classes. If I put her somewhere with this like 25 kids and one teacher, we, we we pose a huge risk of just losing her. She's she's not going to be able to find her way. Mm-hmm. And so you have to take a step back and you have to look and say, look at this kid. What 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 are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their interests? Well, you know, if are they into theater? Are they a kid who's into arts? Is our local elementary school or high school going to be able to feed and nurture that? And so you have to take a step back and look at the kid and see. All of what it is that you hope for them, but what they hope for themselves. Because even at, in kindergarten, they have goals. You know, my daughter will tell you right now, she's the next Serena Williams. She believes that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But then do you have a tennis program? Do you have a wrestling program? Do you have these things there to accommodate this child long term? Or is there a school that you can matriculate to that will have these things? And so you have to look into all that. And the good side of it is, yes, there's a lot of parent, you know, it requires a lot from us as parents. But everyone is so invested in it, you know, and you, you do get some slackers, but a good majority of the parents are truly invested in it. And they're showing up. They're doing their best. There's meetings that are happening at the school after these parents get off work and they're coming straight from work and they're showing up. Even if they're 30 minutes late, they showed up. They showed up. And you want that. You need that in any school community. But when you feel like you don't have to pay for it or whatever the case may be, you kind of feel like, eh, I may not need to do that. Hmm. I see your point. I I I guess for me, what I perhaps participate or you know try to do as much as I can, I guess, is because that way it, it's a village, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I paid into a village, I right. guess. It's, right. It's what I'm getting at. So for me to pay into this village, if people need to see who I am, so they say, "Oh, that so and so's mom." Cool beans. I know who she is. Next time, mm-hmm. if there's something goes on with my son, hey. Mel, mm-hmm. need to talk to you real quick. Or, hey, you know, maybe we can work on something else together. Or, you know, hey, I have an idea. Or, hey, I just want to chat with you. Or, hey, nice job. Or, hey, you know, I, I know um your son will like swimming. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just kind of tap you real quick and let you know about swim program. You know, maybe there's additional conversation. Again, to me, it's like, oh, I'm building an additional yeah. and that's family true. for for. For my family that is as well, extended family, depending, you know, that's how I look at it. And in addition to that, for him, as he grows along, he can then, if he sees these families, you know, in streets or what have you, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Or Absolutely. as they get older, you know, there's probably no longer the book of faces, that type of thing. There's some other system that, you know, has our pictures and stuff. And he's like, hey, I remember this kid from school if I don't see them anymore. So that, and that's, that's, and that's true. Creating that's that absolutely. external, especially in Dallas where yeah. 
a lot of people are transplants mm-hmm. and you they don't know anyone. They don't know anybody, and I was right? that way. Yeah. So there's someone else to rely on. Hey, I need some help. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely that's actually one hundred percent true. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you do come into it for a community, and it does help because one of the misconceptions is that you know you you hear going into these schools is that everyone assumes everyone in these schools are married and that they're living in the the the, the dream house and driving the dream mm-hmm. car. There's a lot of single parents in these schools, including my daughter's Christian schools. Some of them are on the staff. And so um, there's a lot of them there. And they I know moms that literally travel all the time for work and they really wish they could be there. And because I know them and I know how much they're traveling, I take the pictures. I say, hey, right. I snagged this pic of her today. She won this award or whatever. And I send it to them. You know what I mean? And it, it means the world to them mm-hmm. to just have someone else, like you said, just kind of have their back and just kind of looking out for them. So, yeah. I mean, it absolutely... It, I'm sure it'll, it'll get reciprocated too oh, in the yeah. future. And yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Okay. What about you, Tosh? Why do, why do you feel like you invest your time? Well, I chose my son's specific school, like I mentioned, because it reminded me of childhood and it helped reinforce... Um, you know, not only the challenges of, of having an African-American son in mm-hmm. the education system, mm-hmm. but just reaffir- uh, reaffirming who he is, that he is a black child and he is smart and he is in an environment with equally like-minded African-American children. Like, yes. they're not, it's not a token system, mm-hmm. you know, or it's not, you know, we're not, um, you know, it's not an extraordinary thing to see you know, a a black smart child or yeah. Yeah. a morally, you know, uh valued child. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and like you said, in the village and seeing parents, you know, single, married, same sex, otherwise, um, reinforcing that same thing. So that's kind of where where I see that. Um honestly, I wish, and I think maybe this is just me working as a professional um, in healthcare, I saw more um, diversity, not in people of color, but um, was it able abilities? Abilities. Okay, so that is a part of diversity, though. Yeah, yeah. that is a part of diversity, and yeah. it is a, a, a something that is usually brushed over. In um, even when people come to me and they talk about, well, I need a special needs school, and then I say, well, define special needs, mm-hmm. because if you're telling me your child has dyslexia, that's not special needs. But if you're telling me that your child has seizures or cerebral palsy or something. Now we're touching on special needs. Mm-hmm. So it's two it's two different things. But I agree. Um, I even looked at, you know, my daughter's school recently and I wondered, I said, do we have handicap ramps? Like, do we right. Do we have these things in place? Right. Because are we considering the child who has all the cognitive cognitive abilities, but they're wheelchair bound? About, that's and that's that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm you not know? drawing a blank. I'm just like Walking through his school in my yeah, head. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I mean, don't quiet. see it in you a lot of the it. schools. You don't. I'm being honest. You but don't. But are a lot of our not a lot, but would you say maybe those some of those schools are because they're so old that they are grandfathered in? Was that no, the ma'am? They need to they follow need to they go back. They they no, because to, a lot of they them they renovate. They renovate all the time. But they okay. absolutely, if they are standing as an educational. Institution. Foundation institution. Yes, they need to, to be adapt. ADA compliant. Yep. Gotcha. They need to be. By law, they're yep. supposed to be. Yeah. So they'll have like an elevator, but I'm thinking, but if the elevator goes down, down then what? Then what do we do? 
<laughs> Who's let's gonna get, help? I was gonna say, let's get these strong fellas. Who's gonna lift yeah, this kid? Yeah, I thought and about that the other day. And now upstairs. I realize why you asked that question. That's why I asked that question. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I would like to see. see you know what I mean? I think and that's so, a great point. And, and, not, and, and for the most part, so when my son or my child see someone else like that in the in society you know they're not pointing looking, yeah they're and, not oh. you know looking at at them Are you as, referring as to the superhero movie show what superhero show was that raising raising Dion? Yeah. I've okay, I've heard it about it, but I haven't watched uh, it. I haven't watched, I watched it. it. Are you like, no, 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 no. Okay, no, not cool. at all. But My just, man. just to know that there are different people. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in society, yeah. and that they can talk to anybody without, without it being awkward, an awkward conversation. That's all. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, yeah, I'm you know hopefully trying to educate my child that we're right. you know no, but, but just, that's yeah, but you know incorporating that as much as possible. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now let's let's talk about the white elephant in the room Uh-oh. about private schools. Okay, what I consider it. Okay, all right, financing. Okay, talk about it. All right, jump on in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of elephants. There are. Oh, I was going to say I'm I'm, I'm I'm here for all the <laughs> elephants. Stampede. There's a stampede. <laughs> Yes, bring in the whole Ringley Brothers Circus. Yeah. Title of the episode. Go but, for it. But, yeah, the financial component mm-hmm. of it is probably a big deterrent yes. from a lot of people. So, yeah, we can say we like the small classes, but these are we are paying into the small classroom setting. Mm-hmm. We are paying, like you mentioned, Mel, into buying this village-like mm-hmm. mentality. You know, how—or is there even a way we can— um, talk about is say if I'm a middle class family um, wanting to seek these private school yeah. services how would you, would you yeah. so mm-hmm. I consider our family to be a middle class maybe upper middle class <laughs> maybe um, we are a single income household mm-hmm. um, for the most part um, and one of the biggest things that people have to know, and this even happened at the conference, I had a parent who said, I didn't even know that schools had financial aid. I didn't know private schools did that. And so it always shocks me that still to this day, and I tell the schools, you're not getting your message out about financial aid. You're not getting the information out because parents still don't know that private schools have financial aid. And, and they're not, and these are not uneducated parents. These are smart people. They just don't. No. Yeah. They just don't know. And just like you said, it's it's set up like a college, I think, kind of mm-hmm. uses those that analogy. It's no different. There is a I don't want to say FAFSA, but there is a FAFSA like form mm-hmm. that well, I'll back up even further. Watch well, now. So there is a FAFSA like form that you fill out mm-hmm. and it takes into consideration all of your information mm-hmm. along with I guess it gets sent to the school, and I know we. I don't know. I've I've never completed it to ask for the aid, but you can ask mm-hmm. for the aid, mm-hmm. so, and the school reviews yeah. it. They look at your application. They say yes, we like love to accept you. In that same letter, I believe they also will put in there. And here's how much eight, like here's how much tuition is. Okay, yeah, right. Then that same vein, they'll say, and we like to award. Dion, Johnny, yeah, Johnny, Johnny, X amount. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's, 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 that's, that's there's a, a nice way of it, saying it. it. As, as, as the rap quote goes, there's levels to this, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go there. Um, so the first part is 
one, asking the school if they have financial aid. Most in Dallas-Fort Worth do, not all, but most do, okay? Um, then there are your Catholic schools. They operate, some of them operate a little differently. They get money from a parish. Yeah. That helps them give additional support. So that allows them to keep their tuition a little lower. And then Catholic schools are usually cheaper. And then they say, we get money from this parish. And then if you are a part of that parish, there's the discount. So... There's levels to this. That's mm-hmm. that's the first part of that. But then if you go to your traditional private school setting and you fill out, um, sometimes it's called FACS. It's, there's that's other it. different companies that um, handle their financial aid applications. And you complete the form and it's going to ask you a lot about your debt to income ratio, much like you would if you were buying a house. Mm-hmm. It wants to know how you're, you know, if we take 25% of your household income, can you afford to live? You know what I mean? Because this this tuition could cost that. You know, that's what they're pretty much saying. Mm-hmm. And so um, they look at your car notes. They look at your assets. They look at your student loans. They look at the old IRS or whatever. They look at all these things and then they say, okay, based on this amount, we either can or cannot offer you aid. If we cannot offer you aid, um, it is usually because they feel like your income still exceeds the the amount that is, is the greater than your, sure. than your debt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and if you poorly manage your money, they can't control that. You know, that's not that's sure. not on them. Sure. Um, but then there's always an option. Even if they say no, or if they say we can give you aid, but they still don't give you as much as you need, then you appeal it. You appeal it. You can appeal it with almost every school. And if you read How the, do you appeal? Right. So if you read the like, websites good enough, well enough, sometimes they will tell you. They will say, uh, if there's one school in particular I do know of for sure, it says on their website, if the if the financial terms um, are not what your family needs are, arrange to have a private meeting with us and discuss your financial your finances with us, discuss your financial issues with us, so we can best accommodate you. So they're telling you come to the table, come to the table with all your documents, with everything, and let us like know, a mortgage broker, and let no, us know, like a financial advisor. Tell us, tell us yeah. what you're struggling with, so we can best help you and get to where we need to be, and. And so it's usually that initial no that you get is not the final no. There's people above that no that you have to go, that you can get to. And you could even take it to the head of school and say, here is where I'm at. I really only need $2,000 more a year. And they can look at everything and say, we can make this $2,000 more a year work. Realistically, we can make it work. Or they can say, we're just not endowed enough as a school to make it work. And we're, we're just not. And the need exceeds the demand. I mean, you know, so it's it's going to go one way or another. But people just take the no and they walk away and they don't know that you can appeal it. And then some of the schools are even transparent enough to tell you how much aid they have given out. So I can pull up a brochure or a website of a school that I know. And it'll tell you that in 2018 um, through 2019, um, for the people who were making an average of $275,000 or more, they approved 35 out of 36 of those financial applicate, applicants. Excuse um, applicants. me? And Wait a minute. Here, what? They gave them... <laughs> Did you bring your water to sip so you can they go gave, back to life? They gave them an average of $26,000 towards their aid. The average tuition at that school is about $36,000. Yeah. So, 
so they gave them a huge chunk. These are people making $275,000 a year. They are applying for, for financial aid. Closed mouths never get fed. I'll say it again. Ask the questions. Ask all the questions. I'm going to top you. I'm going to top you. But go but ahead. You know I'm what? I'm gonna get but you know what? When we think about financial aid outside of college, there's a negative stigma. There is. You know, let's talk about it. You know, because we feel like, well, if I'm asking for aid... I don't need to be in this space. I ask I for aid every year. I, dis- I disagree. Well, I'm just I'm no, just she's, playing. She's right, but then I, I feel you. Just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I feel again. Closed mouth doesn't get fed. Um, I I know of a couple families who almost left the school for the following year because they feel like they could not afford any longer. And I said, "Have you asked the school? You came in and did." Everything that, you know, we, again, we talked about parental mm-hmm. requirements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You did all the parental requirements, right? Yeah. Your kid's doing okay, right? Yeah. They, you know, ain't getting kicked out of the school or nothing. You've been invited back because you got to be invited back, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we've been invited. Well, so then you, you can, you can, you can ask. So then what's the, you want to ask, well, what's the thought process of you not even asking? It you is. It, they, they're afraid to ask. Why? Because, because they there's in their mind the stigmatism of asking or receiving. No one, no one. Honestly, being in the space of the private school. Look, you a mom. I'm a mom. We, we got all the out here. We, we all out here struggling. We <laughs> all, it's all, we grinding. We all, we all frazzled all day every day. <laughs> we all village, you know. Yeah. And so I think I think what it is is again, closed mouths don't get fed. So you was about to take your kid out because you didn't ask. Now it's different if you had asked and you went through up the ranks and still got the no. Maybe because they don't have the endowment. Right, and that's that different. Might be. But yeah. because they ask, and God is good, and because they ask, they are still there. Mm-hmm. But whatever it, deal got worked still, out, it still touches on kind of what you said. That's Sometimes what I'm they they don't ask because they uh, there's pride. Let's just call it what it is. Pride gets in First, the way. For some, it's pride, and uh, for on. a lot of them, now if there are a small few who will ask for the aid and they will get everything that they can out of the school, but sometimes it's just still not enough. Sure. And, and family circumstances change. I get that, but a lot of times, more often than not, it is the pride factor. But here's a here's a here's a thing I tell you right now. It's Someone who are working with private schools every day. I apply for the aid every single year, and Shut the reason up, you do? I, I do it every single year. And the reason why I do well, that I'm is because is because I never know when they're going to say yes or no. Number one, number two, the tuition gets more expensive with sure. age. Well, number three, number three, what if a family falls on hard times in the middle of the school year? Then I can go back and say I applied for aid at the beginning of the year. So. We you gonna honor this or what? This is why I'm coming to you now, saying that I really mm. need it. So I do it every year, and the reason why I was taught, I do it every year. The admissions counselor who gave me my tour, she told me that. She said you apply every year. She said I tell every parent that walks through this door, apply every single time, every year, every time. And so you, you, it, it 
makes you wonder. So you one school you made the statistic, 35 out of 36 families got it for for that income for, bracket. For that More income families bracket. got in below them. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So you you wonder with the pride factor getting in the way, how many how many families are 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 missing that opportunity and then as a whole, how much aid is the school actually giving? It might they might only be giving 3% of the 100%, you know oh, what yeah. I mean, of of so, the endowment that they have. You, so they have all this money, you know, that they can give. Because they budgeted for it. They budgeted, yes. Yeah. But, they but, families, but families are not taking advantage of that. So I thank you for saying yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So but we talked about, we touched on this at the Families of Color Conference. Remember, um, there was a rep up there who said, I wish the parents would ask, but they're not asking. He said, we have the money for aid. He said, but if you need extra money to go on a trip for, with, the, with the class, we have the money. If you need the extra money to pay for your football equipment, we have the money. But the parents aren't asking. And it's not even just a, a color thing where it's the black parents or the white. It's both. Because you have some black families who are like, you know, I worked very hard to get to where I am and I don't really want to take too much of this help. And then you got some white families who are so embarrassed by the idea of one of their co-workers or someone finding out that they're getting aid, they just can't even handle right, that. Right, right. And so it's it's both. It's all groups of people in all colors and they're all just not asking. Meanwhile, every North Texas Giving Day, that whole pot that they just raised, that is going to financial aid. If no one is spending it, it will go somewhere Where else. else. I know. That's what, yeah. Yeah. But I think and a even, lot of schools do say that that's where that money is going. It's that's going their to their financial aid to it's, help those and it's to, not to even pay for, for the gap. I guess that's what they call it. It's not even for next year's aid. It's for aid for like four years from now. Mm-hmm. They, they've planned that far in advance. That's how that's what they're doing. All these fundraisers and campaigns and capital campaigns, they are planning for the many years to come. So for many of you who are listening... I would say about, what, 90% of the schools, private schools nationwide, have an annual report. Mm-hmm. It is posted online. You will find that information there in terms of, like, how much is set aside. Yes, what the school that is doing. That financial report, it is there. Yes. It's we, not hidden from anybody. And I also want to add, I mean, is this financial aid to be paid back? Is this like it is not? Oh, no. It is not. It is no, not no. paid back. It, it is not a loan. It is. It is. It is money that is there. And I'll tell you one thing. Even more, they what what these schools love more than anything else. And uh, it, this may come off in a negative way. They love the kid who is in a struggling school district and that doesn't have the financial means because to them it's like. We can give this kid a chance. We can yeah. give this kid a real they a, chance. They want a great comeback story. They want a story. They want a, they want a, they want a story. But, but also, too, going back to kind of using the analogy of colleges and sometimes why certain people, you know, getting the, the scholarships and whatnot. Because at the end of it, once the child comes through and graduates and thus is now officially an alumni and they have that fantastic shirt on them that says they are an alumni, they're a walking advertisement. They mm-hmm. are. To someone else who's like, oh, well, where, where, where'd you go to school? Oh, such and so-and-so's. Oh, I should apply to that school. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, that's kind of where it is, also where they're like, yeah. It is love free great, money. Great. 
and you, you don't pay it back. And I mean, and if, like I said, the, the, sometimes the more dire needs your situation are, the more they're inclined to reach out and try to help. I have seen schools write grants to cover people's full tuition from the time they start the school to the time they graduate because they believe that much that they can, they, this, this, this kid can, can, can be the one. I've seen it. And so, um, <laughs> It's, it's, uh, people just have, we just have to do our research. Again, there's so much that I just didn't know. There's just so much that I didn't know. I didn't know, like I said, how much parent involvement it was going to be. I didn't know how much, um, how much money some of these schools are sitting on and how some of them are using it um, and what they're going through. I didn't realize, like you said, that there really is a village in these schools. Um, and how you, much land? Oh, they own. They sit on. So some these schools. So what? Oh, no. They're very, very smart. So let me tell you, when, when people worry about colleges getting into trouble financially, the private schools don't have that issue. But when they do all these raising of funds, the only time they get into trouble is if they're sitting on land that someone else owns. And so if they're sitting on land that someone else owns, and you usually see that more in the religious schools than you do the non-religious schools, because they may be attached to a church of some sort. But um, when they, they do all this planning, they usually buy the land outright. So when they start their capital campaigns for a new campus, that initial amount of money is just to buy the land outright. They just want to own the land outright so no one can ever take it. Then the next campaign comes around. Now we've got to build this thing. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting on 83 acres and they've got all the room to grow over the next however many decades they need to. And so it's all these things that I just didn't know coming in. And then you get in there and you 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 learn these things and because you start to wonder, well, what happens if we grow? What happens if we get too big? Oh, we own this land across there. Sometimes we own the houses on the street that we share the Preach. land with. Preach. And our faculty are living in these houses. Preach. Or we have international students sure. living in these houses. There are all these things that I just didn't know. And then I get in there and I'm like, man, you guys are smart. You're running a real good hustle here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but man, you guys are running a real good hustle here. The, the ultimate hustle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's mm. one thing, Tosh, you, you didn't know until you got in? Um, I think it's very sp- school specific because, like I said, I grew up. In you never know. School. You never know. I was like, to me, um, Help the, the financial out. aid component was one thing because, I, I mean, I'm a child and I'm just like going through the school and I graduate and I move on. So I yeah. didn't think like, yeah. you know, there was a financial aid component to it um, outside of grants and stuff. Um, the other part of it is um, uh, um, what I want to say. Uh, I don't know. I was I was gonna say more towards the curriculum. Okay. Um, and we think obviously with private schools, they're they're teaching smaller. So, um, but also knowing that some of the schools are teaching. Um, a grade ahead, sometimes two yeah. grades ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard for so, so many schools. Yeah, yeah, which I think is a fantastic thing. Yeah, you know, uh, for the child. But I didn't. That was just something yeah. I wasn't privy to. And, and that's something I try to tell some parents. They get into these situations where they want to apply to the most academically challenging school in the area. But are you really ready prepared? Are you really prepared for everything that comes with that? Yeah. Because you're not carrying that stress. The child is carrying that stress. They're the ones trying to keep up with their peers. So you don't want to put them in this situation where 
they were once great in whatever school they were right. in before, and then right. they get here, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't get over this hump. Big fish, you know, little the, pond, yeah. kind of thing. You, can't, yeah. you, you don't want to put them in that. Yeah. So you have to be very, very yeah. careful about that. And the, and the curriculum is different from one school to the next, and how it's applied is different. The teachers you're going to have are different. And then some schools, some of these private schools, they really take on that college, um, that college readiness mentality where they're very hands-off. They don't come on and try to hold your child's hand all the way through. They let them kind of do their own thing and they wait for the child to come to them and say they need help. They don't even really want the parents stepping in. They want the student. The way you will go to your professor, they want the student to come to them and say, I need help. There are some of them that are out there that they're like that in fourth and fifth grade. There are some that don't give report cards because they want you to know and kind of anticipate what you think your grade is. And they want you to come and ask the teacher, how am I doing in this class? It is, it, they, they, uh, they, they've got this whole system in place sure. of how they are going to equip you for whatever, wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, they can say, we prepared you and gave you all the tools that you needed to get there. That's 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 kind of their mindset. And I mean, like I said, these are just all things that I just was not aware of. Um, there are so many other things I wasn't I wasn't aware of. Um, when you talk about you know the financial aspect of it, but also when you talk about how there's this big need now for diversity even in the schools. But also, and that's great. You know, public schools and private schools alike are trying to become more diverse, especially private schools. But also, um, the creative conversation the schools are able to have. So the my my thing is I get some of why the public schools are struggling in making these strides. What I don't get is you're not bound to the same policies and procedures that public schools are in red tape. Mm -hmm. So what's taking you so long to get there? Girl, that's part two. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be part two. What's taking you so long to get there? All these things that you walk into and you're Mm -hmm. like, you've got all of this in place, but you didn't think about this. Yeah. So you can see their shortcomings, but you can see their progressions too. So... Mm It's 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 all these different facets that I look at and um, that I try to make parents aware of and that I learned myself along the way. And um, you really become heavily dependent. It really does become your community, your village. It, yeah. it really no, does. Yeah, definitely. It does. I'm pretty sure. It the majority- has to be. It has to. Yeah. And I would think uh, another thing, too, I think, um, since knowing you, Dara, yeah. the other thing I feel like I've learned is about resources. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say special needs, special, you know, but you were talking, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in terms of your daughter mm-hmm. and getting her tested, if uh-huh. you will. Will you speak about that a little bit yeah, in terms of like yeah. so, learning? Like, how did you come to find that information so, or what led so you to that? We, you know, she's in kindergarten, but she's been in her school since pre-K three. And she's already the oldest in her class. But we kind of started picking up on things around that pre-K-4 stage. Like I could kind of see there was some things. She had already been to speech therapy and all of that. But there were things that I could see as a parent that she just wasn't quite grasping. And the school brought it to my attention because they were concerned too. And I didn't look at it as a way of they were trying to attack my child. I looked at it as a way of genuine concern because Mm -hmm. it was genuine concern. So then I had to do my research once we, I had to figure out how I was going to approach this. And um, I met with a couple of, of the learning differences um, school professionals that are in the area. There are private schools that are for, specifically for kids with learning differences. And so I met with a couple of those professionals. And the first thing they told me was, 
you kind of want to wait until she's six to get tested. And the reason, their reason for that was um, there's a lot that we can't know because a lot of it can be just based on age. Developmental. And developmental. Yeah, so okay. we just don't know a lot. So we don't want to go labeling a child that doesn't need the label. Child, please, so not early. There's, 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 <laughs> there's so much of that going around. We don't want to do that. And, um, and they were even careful to say, be careful with your pediatrician too because pediatricians will often label a child too. So Quickly. even you could trust them Quickly. up until this point. That's a very good point. So um so we we I took all of that advice and then I looked at you know you know they have all these hospitals Scottish right all these different programs out there that run these testing these tests but I um decided that I was going to reach out into a learning difference in school and because whenever you see that they have like an evaluation center or a diagnostic center attached okay. to their name they usually do something outside of the K through 12 education so they usually can mm. offer speech therapy or occupational therapy um they hire these people to come in or they are hired by the school full-time. Usually they are hired by the school full-time if they are learning difference in school. So they are working with the students who need the help in the school, but they are working with people who come who are in the public who just need to bring their kids somewhere for additional help. And sometimes they're followed by medical professionals, like yeah. your MDs, your psychs. They schools, are. Your they, they're psycho. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. No, they're part of the team. team. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. They're, they're psychoeducational yeah. um, specialists. They're school psychiatrists. Yes. They are all these people that are right there in the school they are they're a whole team certified academic language therapists they're all the dyslexia therapists they're all right there working together cohesively to say we've got all of this covered now let's find out what this child is struggling with and let's get there so for her she had to go and do about a three and a half hour test and it was a little bit of struggle because she's six Mm -hmm. and all she's thinking is why am I here but it was it was not where like it was pen and paper. It was okay. Can you we let's bring some things out on the table and let's see what you can do. And then when she wasn't able to focus, then okay, we need to pull this back and then let's help you get back on track. And so it was all of those things. And it takes about two weeks to get the report back. And when you get the report back, it is the most beautiful thing you could ever see because it gives you a full picture into the mind of your child. And I think and I celebrated this. Some parents come out of this room and the diagnostician she told me this that the psychoeducational specialist told me that she said I get so many parents coming out of here crying she said but you are happy and I was because I was looking at this beautiful report and I'm like I've got this child and I've got the support and now the two are finally coming to terms mm-hmm. and I now know that everything that I thought was was happening it's actually I'm not crazy and so it tells you if the child is in the right learning environment okay. or do they need to move learning environments it tells you what capacity of a classroom can this kid handle? Can this kid be okay if there's 22 kids in the class? Or do they need to be in an even smaller private school where you may only have 15 kids in the class, but maybe they need to be in a school private school where there's only eight kids in the class? So it tells you all these different things. It tells you their, their strong suits, their, their weaknesses. Um, and it tells you the type of teacher they're most likely to respond to. Do they need someone a little more loving or do they need someone a little more firm? Um, do they work better independently or do they work better in a group setting. So these schools, you don't have to just go to your pediatrician or whatever the major hospital is that are running these things. You can go to a learning difference school and usually they have the time is much more available. I think when I reached out to some of the hospitals, it was like a six month waiting period. But when I reached out to learning difference school, it was like, okay, let's get you on the books for next month. Now, how was that paid for? 
I paid for it, but my insurance reimbursed 90% of it. Because the same way your insurance would reimburse if you had gone to a hospital for these services, sure. they can reimburse it for that too. Okay. So my insurance reimbursed 90% of it. And ask, um, ask for that super bill. Folks. So so you have to look and see what your insurance so, covers yeah. and find out. It's no different if your insurance is willing to cover speech therapy or anything, they're most likely willing to cover this too. Yeah. Okay. So you just go and you do it. And then um, they're really great about it. When you get the results back, they give give you a copy of the report but they meet with you face to face to go through it they don't just throw it out and be like here you go they walk you through it like a professional and they tell you this is what you need and then they tell you to take it back to your teacher and if you need them to communicate with the school where your child is at they'll do that too yeah nice yeah. they'll do that too so it's been great it's been great child, yeah. man no no go ahead no no you've dropped so many gems that's why I'm just like <laughs> we need to have a part two on this because I mean I think what we've also touched upon is just um, educational, like the education search, the foundation of it. Um, Yes, while, you know, we're very biased in that hours go to private school, but a lot of what you are discussing is something can transcend charter, public. Very much so. Home, Montessori, whatever your choice may be. Very much so. That's why we need to have part two of this. And and for those of our moms out there listening, if you have questions, you know, always definitely, you know, where to find us. Um, So last parting words, what would you say, what are three things that you would recommend a mom to do or to maybe on their search or maybe they're in a private school, what could they do differently? Or what what would you say? What were my three pieces of advice? Um, The first one would be to ask them, if it's a K-12 school, ask them everything that they offer, every program, every enrichment program. If you're paying for it, you need to love it. You don't buy a house that you don't love. You don't buy a car that you don't love. Don't pay for a school that your child is going to have to come up in that you do not love. So ask, it may because you don't know what your child's interests are going to be as they get older. And so they might start off being interested in, you know, painting, but they might decide they want to go into music or they might decide they want to go into film production. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But find out, you know, what are all the extra activities that and, and you know, enrichment courses and things that the school offers and what can you handpick for yourself once they get to 12th grade um so um for them once they get to 12th grade so that would be the first thing um the second thing would be finding out what uh so what type of support groups are there for those families and particularly families in your demographics so for me I'm a black woman so what is there for black parents What is there for Hispanic parents? What is there for Asian parents? What communities are there? Because we're going to encounter some struggles. We're going to get, get, we're going to come up on some mountains and some hilltops when we're going to get tired and we're going to get weary and we're going to go through some things. I need to know that there is a community there for me Mm -hmm. that I can express those concerns with and that I need to know I'm not alone in that. So that's 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 the next thing. Um, the last part would be in kind of piggybacking, piggybacking off of that. I would ask, um, what are the, the 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 ratios in the socioeconomic you know dynamics? What, how many of these people are coming from three hundred thousand dollar a year household, and how many of them are coming from seventy five thousand dollar a year households? You know what I mean? Um, if they're a religious school, ask them what churches are they pulling from because they 
almost always the Christian. The Christian schools, they pull from churches. Please believe me, they form relationships with these churches and they pull in families. And that's going to give you a great insight as to who this school is, because if they're only pulling from a particular type of church that's known for a particular type of thing, this is who this school is. Mm -hmm. But so you Mm -hmm. need to kind of know where are they getting these families from? Where are your, where's your outreach coming from? Where, where, where are you pulling families from? Yeah. So find out where these people are, are, are coming from, where these families are coming from. And, um, I think that would be that, and then also you're gonna you're gonna automatically ask about the curriculum. That's sure. gonna be something yeah. you're gonna automatically ask about. But those would be the three things that I would definitely encourage you to check, to, to check on because we know that they can bring the academics, but we're at, we're looking for beyond that. I'm paying for not just the academics. I'm paying for an experience. Mm-hmm. So look beyond that. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for dropping in on the studio. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate you. Where can we find you? DFWPrivateEDU.com. I'm also on Twitter as DFWPrivateEDU. Facebook, the same. Um, Instagram, the same. So um, that's where you can find me. And uh, Conferences out. every year? So I have a Families of Color conference that I do every year, and I'm currently working on the education of in, in education in color job fair. And the goal behind that Girl, is to recruit teachers you out of color. Here. You are, out. and then we've got Ooh. HBCU fair number two for the private schools coming up in March. So we're getting out there. We're 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 working hard. I love it. I absolutely love we it. We look forward to having you back. Yes. Talking more about this. And yeah. moms, please, please, yeah. please reach out to her as far as, our, you know, our past guests too that have been in the educational realm mm-hmm. as well. But definitely, Dara, especially if you are in the DFW area and you're, you know, having some questions or just anything, just hit her up. Hit her up. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Well, on that note, um, yes. please check out our show notes for additional resources, links, and additional um, information about this subject or any of our episodes you can find us on linkedin twitter instagram and facebook we invite you to continue the conversation and uh or via email at mahoganymomology at gmail.com until next time this is mel and i'm tosh and we thank you for listening to another episode of mahogany momology bye-bye